Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the 12 by 12 Picture Book Writing Challenge. Picture book authors need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. Registration is only open in January and February. Visit 12by12challenge.com slash membership for more information. That's 12x12challenge.com slash membership. Support also comes from Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month, they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds. Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Whether it's treasure hunts or DIY musical instruments, the goal of the included activities is to make the stories come alive for both children and families. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order, or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast to get started today. Raise good humans, one children's book at a time. On the one hand, you're basically buying a house, but you don't get a house at the end. Right, you pay the entire mortgage, but there's no house. Um, so there's that. But on the other hand, this isn't you're not buying the knowledge. What you're doing is you're buying the the way that they train you to think, and you're buying the network and the gravitas and and the you know the things that come from. I have a degree from here, and I know these people, and these are the people I went to school with, and they're interested in the same things I do, and I can talk to them about, you know? Like, that's what, that is what you pay for. Standing up for yourself requires a team. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 490. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Sudipta Bardhan Qualen. Sudipta has been a longtime friend, and she holds the distinguishment of being my first ever author interview on this podcast. Episode number four, published on July 22nd, 2013. She's been a special friend to me and to my family, and I think that comes out with the ease of this conversation. Today we're celebrating the release of Chick's Rule, her newest picture book, illustrated by Renee Carilla. 
In the story, Nerdy Chick is confronted with a No Chicks Allowed sign on the door to a rocketry club. Sign after sign in the neighborhood indicate chick-free spaces, and so Nerdy Chick gathers friends and neighbors to lend each of their unique interests and talents for the greater good of creating together. It's an all-ages, all-kinds-of-kids kind of story that I think you'll enjoy a whole lot, too. Hello, um, my name is Sudipta Barthon Qualen. My pronouns are she, her, um, and I am a writer. I write books for kids. I write everything from little kids, picture book age, all the way through middle grade. I don't write YA because... I have children myself, and I don't think kids should be kissing until they're at least 35 or 36 years old, so I don't like to write about that stuff, but everything else, I kind of like to dabble in. (laughs) There it is. I was waiting for the reason why, (laughs) and you totally paid it off. Um, Welcome back, buddy. It's been a really long time. It has been. But, uh, you know, as, as we both probably do, I've been following what you're doing and just really proud of of knowing you and of the great work you're doing. And I was so excited to see um, your chapter book series, Permades, featured in our Scholastic Book Fair video. And then to see that you have this new picture book out. Famous adjacent. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I loved, you know, taking a photo of the computer screen to send and be like, this is my friend. Oh, my word. Um, No. And you very kindly are one of the few people who did not make fun of me being inside a yellow submarine. I I thought, quite frankly, that you had, uh, you know, quite an authentic um, reaction to seeing um, kitten-mermaid hybrids outside of a window of your yellow submarine. I thought it was great. I don't know. I think if I actually saw kitten-fish, kitten-mermaid hybrids outside the window of the submarine I was in, there would be more swearing. (laughs) (laughs) There would be more calls for medication because, oh my gosh, there was a kitten-mermaid outside. Well, um, I'm sure from your school visits, you're hearing how your readers are reacting, which is so sweet. My my students were just uh, not only over the moon that this was an option for them, um, but also I totally threw around the celebrity of, oh my word, I know her. We could Skype with her one day. <laughs> so that was great. And then to to uh, receive from Abrams a copy of your of your new picture book, and also to see that Renee Carilla did the illustrations. It was just so awesome. So congratulations on Chick's Rule coming out and, and all that it is. Um, would you mind just sharing a little book talk about this book and then we'll we'll get into it? Of course not. Of course not. So um, what do you want me to tell you? You want to, you want to tell about where this book came from? Well, let's, um, let's start with the, what is it? You know, like the, the, the elevator pitch for it, if you will. Chick's Rule is a story about something that a lot of people, not just girls, but people face. This idea that you're being told you can't do something. Kids especially are told a lot, you know, you can't do this. You don't know how to do this yet. You're not big enough to do this. And it's about standing up when you really believe that that's wrong and finding a way to get to where you want to be. And understanding that that's not something that you ever do on your own. It requires a team, a network for any of us, right? Um, When I started writing, right, I didn't do it on my own in my office with the doors locked and never speaking to anyone. It involved 
talking to a lot of people, getting opinions, learning from others. And that is how we reach success. And so those are kinds of the themes that I was playing with when I was putting this book together. I wanted it to be about um, the characters taking empowerment yeah. on their own, taking agency over their life, right? And working together to reach a common goal. I think that you have always you have top form in your rhyme in your meter i just like your uh, you write to the standard it's so wonderful just to read a book that feels so easy so effortless and to know the work behind it to make it so um Thank you. i i mean this is i mean this is you're no stranger to hearing that i've said that over and over as i know many other people have but um but to to also in this book in particular have have a drive it feels like your text just is marching forward is moving forward is is pulling the reader through uh and gathering friends as you go i just feel mm-hmm. like is a it it feels like an intentional dynamic but it also just feels really effective for what the story is trying to communicate and you know it's awesome can i read it to you i want can i read the start to you yeah, i love this cuz i mean it marches here. Cool chicks and nerdy chicks, quiet chicks and wordy chicks, biker chicks and rocker chicks, science chicks and soccer chicks, coding chicks and gaming chicks, bow and arrow aiming chicks, chicks who draw and chicks who read, chicks who follow, chicks who lead, chicks all travel separate roads, chicks all carry different loads. We start off with this story with with one particular chick that wants to go build a rocket, wants to play with rockets, and enters uh, into one of the coops where there's a sign for Rocket Club, the coolest in the galaxy, but uh, the sign says no chicks allowed. Um, And I got to admit that right away I was like, ooh, is this like a boys only club no girls allowed and then i realized like wait this could be like a multiverse of animals who am i to assume it's just and i want to make the point that chicks are both male and female there is not a different word for male chicks (laughs) so it wasn't that if you assume the peeps aren't the male chicks (laughs) (laughs) this is true but I, I, so it might not be sexist. It might be speciesist. Speciesist. <laughs> I'm going on the record just to say I'm not speciesist, folks. Don't come at me. <laughs> or go ahead and come at me. We'll see. No. Um, I like the, the, the world that Renee has helped build here, but also that um, what I found really interesting is that not only do we start off that text with this, what I feel like is this march, this 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 beat that we're all gathering to, but you've got a solid, what, like three, four pages of just no text at all. Yep. Yep. Was that intentional in your manuscript yes. or was that, that was, that was absolutely intentional. In oh, fact, so even, cool. in the, even in the manuscript, we had the, you know, the, uh, intro papers that it's usually just the title and the, and the book information and stuff. We had notes for what we wanted it to show because we wanted, we wanted the story to be grounded, right? You, we wanted to be grounded in, nerdy chicks her journey right but we also wanted the we wanted the words of the story to be a little bit more general to be welcoming to everyone right because it's not identifying one kind of person in particular you know what i mean she's not teaming up with only the seven dwarves and no one else you know she's 
it's it's biker chicks, it's science chicks, it's baker chicks, it's all these different kinds. And so the the hope is that the readers are going to be able to see some part of themselves in these words, um, but still be able to follow the journey because of Renee's amazing art. Did you were were you and she planning to work on it together since since the idea inception? No, no, we weren't. It was just um, just the way you phrased it that. You were saying we wanted it to look like this. It just just felt collaborative in that nature. Um, it, it, it is collaborative in that, you know, there was discussions I had with my editor yeah. explaining this was my vision. And then while I didn't speak to her directly during the process, because I actually really try to respect that with illustrators and give them their space, I don't want to be that author who's hovering over their shoulder and kind of <laughs> making faces, you know. But my manuscript, because this is, it's such a text for story, it had a lot of illustration notes. And they weren't notes that she had to do, right? Um, a lot of them were suggestions, but they really set up, you know, the kinds of scenes that we need to see to lead up to where we're going to start the story, right? And this idea that she's faced, she's so excited to start out with, right? And then she's hit in the face with the no chicks allowed sign. And how that might feel. But then when you turn two pages later and you see the no chicks allowed on all the different doors, right. you start to get that feeling of it isn't just her who's facing this problem. This is a big problem. This is something that a lot of different kinds of chicks are struggling with, maybe not even realizing how much they have in common with chicks that they didn't realize were in their crew. So to right. Speak. Because the sign specifically, the first sign we see is on the rocket club, but then there's another sign with a music symbol on it. No chicks allowed in this music space. No chicks allowed in this soccer space, in this science or experimentation space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of that intention there. I, you know, I gotta say too, Jonah, who <laughs> you've known since he was a baby. Um, but Jonah, um, said that he really loved the way it starts off like a graphic novel. And I think by that, I assume he just meant that it's paneled, right? Yeah. yeah. But, um, but to have that go from paneled in to paneled out a little bit in the end too, you really pull back on words in the end and just leave with with handing it off back to the art and really I think back to the children seeing themselves in each of those chicks, exactly. that, that massive group of chicks. Um, it, it really is, I mean, your, your text along with Renee's vision is just, I keep flipping through, it's probably picking up on the microphone in the most annoying way. But Renee's art is just gorgeous in this. It's unlike anything I've seen from her before, but it just feels like it just feels like there's a trajectory for for her voice as an artist that that has just reached a new place with this book. And it, it it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful book, Sudipta. Thank you. Well, Renee's a big part of how beautiful it is. One of the things that I really was impressed with in her art is the diversity that she shows. Do you mean like the Muslim chick? The uh, chick the in the, chick? the, chick in know, the hijab the, and the the chicks. The chicks don't all look the same. No, right? they they all they're have. All, they're very individual. They're very clearly chicks, right? But they all have their own things. They have their own look. They have their own accessories. They have. They're customized. They have their own body types too, up, right? Yes. No, exactly. Not only are they different colors. Um, different, you know, hues, different sizes, different, um, their, 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 their costume, different ways they're dressed, different ways. But I noticed especially that they, they are, their body types are represented differently. And that was something that I just, 
I just as as much as she has the consistency of of this roundness to her illustrations, they they're not all they're not all shaped the same, and it's that attention that just that attention to detail that just messages in, in such a strong way. I think it does, especially now when people are so much more aware of how how children are being represented in books, right? And how important it is for kids to feel like they are represented by the books that they're reading. When you're dealing with animals in a picture book, obviously it's a little bit different, right? We're not tigers, even if we want to be. But there's something about what she did here, like you said, with the colors, with the shapes, with the sizes, that really I think allows kids to find one that fits and feel like they can be a part of this crowd, if that makes sense. Well, I like to just to continue on that path that as you watch the crowd, as you study the crowd, which I have to imagine is more of what a reader in a, especially in a read aloud setting, as I'm reading to my daughter, as I'm reading to a class and they just have a chance to take in the story by listening to it, but then they get to just read the art. There's so much as you're reading the art that, that some of the chicks are actively marching or you could see on their face that they're really thinking about what's going on. Some of them are reacting by um, writing things or drawing things. Like you could just see that there's, again, all these different ways to interact with our feelings as well. It just felt to me like there was a reflection of like social emotional intelligence going on there as well. Well, that's always the hope. And um, I think that Renee's art really succeeds in bringing that across, which is really lovely to see. All right, because so, okay. we want this to be an inclusive book. We want it to be a book that people feel like they can connect with and not feel excluded from. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com Pokemon. Support for the Children's Book Podcast also comes from longtime supporter Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. So where did this come from? I, you mentioned naming the main character Nerdy Chick, and I remember, we are saying before recording, I remember uh, your Nerdy Chick blog. Is that, was that the genesis of this story? know if it's directly related but this idea of being a nerdy chick i've i've been a nerdy chick my entire life <laughs> i was the nerdy chick and definitely not the cool chick and definitely, <laughs> the cool chick and, definitely not. and and you know when you're when you're younger you get these labels and you think they're death sentences at least some labels right if you're not the popular one if you're not the pretty one right you really let it affect your self-esteem right as you get older, you start to realize, wait a second, I don't only have to have one label. I can have a lot. I can be many different things. But I think that feeling that I've had since childhood that I'm the nerdy one is something that has stayed with me. So when I'm when I was imagining this story and imagining how I want 
these chicks to be interacting and what they they do obviously started from a place of me because that's what a lot of writers do we know ourselves best so a lot of our characters turn out to be you know therapy for us a way to work out something from our own pasts so that's kind of where nerdy chicks started i think the story could have been told really with any of the chicks um Mm. and certainly that's something i'd love to explore going forward i'd love to I'd love to see a book about rocker chick. I'd love to see yeah. a book about um, baker chick, you know, and see see what each of those chicks would be dealing with, right? But um, nerdy chick was just the place to start for me because it was the place that I identified with the most. It's exciting, too, to think that you potentially could start with any of those other chicks and end up in the same place that potentially you could end up all together again, each playing a different role in, in taking hold of change or of, of writing your own future. Absolutely. And one of the things that was important to us when we were putting this book together was this idea that it isn't just, okay, I need to, I need a team. I need a support system. Um, I can't do this on my own, but being open to ideas that maybe aren't yours, right? Like if you're the nerdy chick and you want to build a rocket, maybe your first thought isn't, I should have a surfer and a hippie on my team, right? But those chicks bring something to the table and they contribute, right? And it's in a way that maybe nerdy chick didn't think about to start with, but being open to that in life is so important, right? Being open to viewpoints that not only aren't yours, but that you don't even have any knowledge of until you run into someone who can, who can open your eyes to that. Right. So that was, that was an important thing for me, you know, choosing a nerdy chick who wants to go into space that feels very true to form, right? Like that's a very nerdy thing to do, but then to bring in all of these different kinds of talents and see how they could contribute was really important. I also love um, speaking of how they can each contribute um, the different um, <laughs> the different titles that the yes. chicks. I will even say you allow the characters to name their own jobs. It's not like you have another one of the chicks giving out all the titles. Um, they're clearly writing their own titles and fashioning them to signs and name tags and stuff. But you've got like lead space fashion designer and space kahuna and lead rocket coder and space chef ones that feel very specific or just feel you know like i think about taking ownership of names and i don't know naming naming anything i <laughs> and also taking a leadership position and or... like, they're not just they're not just content to be part of the crowd they're not just doing what nerdy chick is telling them to do right they're taking responsibility and it's leadership in a in the area that you feel like is your strength. Not I need to leading doesn't need to mean I'm in charge of all these people. Leading can mean I can be put in charge of this task. I know Mm -hmm. I'm good at this. You can trust me with this task. Exactly. I like that. I like like your book, you know, and trying to do everything is a recipe for disaster. Trying to do everything by yourself is just never going to work. It's so much more efficient to be able to rely on other people to leverage their skills to reaching your goals, you know? Yeah, there's 
you know, the, the, as we talk, I'm I'm realizing that all of this is is positioned so well in the illustrations, even from down to as the as the chicks are are planning not only their 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 shuttle mission, but also what the rocket will look like and what the suit will look like. You just see them working together in such different ways. I'm looking at the chicks conceiving illustration where there's four chicks and one is looking and the other three are drawing, but they're all drawing or writing completely different things, mm-hmm. um, but all part of the same focus, but, but completely different. T- it's not like they're all drawing their own version of a rocket ship. Everything just feels as I'm sure it is from your notes and, and Renee's shared vision, just intentional. Um, and I just I wanted to get that collaborative spirit uh, yeah. and the idea that, you know, you should speak up with your ideas. You shouldn't, let yourself you shouldn't shout yourself down you know what i mean by saying oh no nobody wants to hear my idea because it's stupid no it's not your idea is valuable because it's your idea and you should feel comfortable sharing it with your team because it might not end up being the best idea of everyone but that doesn't make it a bad idea and it doesn't make it you know not valuable to share and to consider you know as you're saying that too and how much all of the chicks here value each other. And they're really shown valuing each other and valuing each other as individuals, as well as what they can bring to the table for the, the, mm-hmm. the greater cause. I recognize that there are no boys in this book, but also we were saying, I think before recording too, that this doesn't feel like an anti-boy book though. Well, and as I've intended to be, no, no, of course not. But I mean, even as I've shared it, in front of children, it doesn't ever feel like that either. It feels like this is a book for us all to read. Um, but how I wonder if that's something that you had to, if that was something that you wrestled with at all through your drafts to make sure the tone was communicating what you wanted it to say. Well, we had some discussions about whether there would be boy chicks you know, specifically boy chicks, chicks that looked like boys, and we kind of decided. No, chicks are boy chicks and girl chicks are both called chicks. So we're going to leave it at that. Um, And yes, it does have a bit of a a female empowering message to it. But some of that has to do with the times we're living in, right? Um, The way that these chicks come together and they march their rocket feels a lot like the women's marches we've been seeing, um, where we're seeing women in our communities, again, take agency, take ownership of, of changing the world the way they want it to change, right? And so that's, I think, a little bit what plays into it. But for me, it's really a book not about how the rest of the world should treat women or chicks or whatever you want to call them, right? It's really about how we treat each other. Now, I'm fairly certain, Matthew, that you've never been a high school girl. Not in this life. I have been. And I'm going to tell you, the worst memories I have from high school are from girls who were mean to me. Girls often treat each other really badly. I don't know why we do that, but we do. And I think that that's something that people are much more aware of now and people are trying to change it. But we really do need to teach our, our daughters that you need to support each other. Hmm. Um, as women, because you're facing some challenges as women that other people, you know, people who are not women are not facing, right? And 
you need to take that sisterhood and turn it into something valuable in your life. And it's not something to be scorned, right? Um, that's, that's a very important thing. Um, when, um, when I've been working on putting together talks for this book, I've also actually been working with my daughter, my oldest daughter on her college applications. And there was a question on one of the applications that was, what movie would you star in if you could star in a movie? And her answer was she wanted to star in Frozen. One, because she could sing Let It Go, which was a big job. But two, because Frozen was a story in which the, the women didn't wait around for men to save them. They saved each other and they saved themselves. And at the end of the story, it didn't end with a wedding. They were complete all by themselves at the end. And when I was reading her essay, I was thinking... Yeah, of course, this is very empowering. But then it hit me how that's not really the story we see all that often. We're seeing it more and more, right? But it isn't. It still isn't the go-to story that we have for girls. And and I was thinking through being her mother when she was little. Um, again, she's going to college, so I'm doing a lot of that reminiscing. But um, <laughs> I have always been about empowering my daughters, right? That has been a very big part of my my focus from the time they were born. However, I remember reading them a lot of princess stories, a lot of Snow White and Sleeping Beauty and watching those Disney movies. And I never meant it in any kind of a bad way, but how many of those stories end up in exactly the way Frozen isn't, where there's a woman waiting around, sometimes unconscious, for a man to come along and choose to save her. And her life isn't happy. She doesn't have a happy ending until she's married. And I started to think about, are we doing our girls a disservice, right? By putting this this seed into their heads when they're so young, does that contribute to the gender roles that we're still kind of struggling with as they get older? And I hope not. I hope I haven't ruined my daughters. Although, you know, I will do better with my grandchildren. But but it is it's an interesting thing to think about though, right? Like if the first if the first interactions kids have with characters and representations of femininity are women who are passive in their story waiting for a man to come and do something. Yeah. I I don't think that that's the message we want to be sending. And certainly kids today are so much better off because there were so many more books to choose from. Not that there were so few books when my kids were young because they're not that old and I'm not that old, but it's, it's a really wonderful thing to be able to contribute to that body of work of stories that will show empowerment to, to, to girls, but also to children from those very early stages. Yeah. We, we covered a lot of ground and I, feel like we we reached such a hallowed space here that I want to make sure I preserve it. Mm -hmm. So before we go, before I bring us back to that library of children that I love to, is there anything else about the book Sudipta that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure people listening here, the people working with children here, is there anything else that we didn't cover? By the way, the mention of that rocket scene in particular with the, the march happens to be my favorite set of illustrations, I think, in the book because of the scale, because of the camera pulling back and just seeing mm -hmm. 
the mass of people that are all there doing this task together. But, um, and then you just carry it right into this beautiful sentiment that you did. But is there anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure we, we talk about? Well, I think we talked about it a little bit, but this is worth repeating. Even on the pages that don't have words, it's really important to really carefully look at the art because there is still so much in the art all the way through the end papers. The end papers are actually some of my favorites. Um, <laughs> at the end, when you're looking at her console, right? Nerdy Chick isn't even in this last bit. It's just her space console, right? And she's got the Earth in the background because she's up in space. And you kind of see, again, that representation of how many different kinds of contributions, how many different kinds of minds went into making this dream come true. And I think that that's, again, such a powerful message for kids to leave with, right? That she couldn't have made it up into space without the science stuff, but she also couldn't have made it without that cupcake. Because <laughs> sometimes... When things are going bad, you need that cupcake, right? And there's just a lot of humor here, too. Um, Renee came up with a lot of the humor, but this one I'm proud of. Flight Mills No More, Don't Be a Chicken About Flying. That was my idea. (laughs) Uh, I'm proud of that. I love also, well, two things. First, I love that the sign that first read, No Chicks Allowed, and then mid-story read, Chicks Allowed, ends up reading Everyone Allowed. There's space for everyone there. And I also love, I don't know why I'm such a sucker for this kind of thing, but I love that that plant on the dashboard because it just feels like it's new life. It's a new start. It's a new beginning. For me, that imagery is something that always that always sticks with me. And, that, and oh. she pairs it really well with these photos, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, carrying her history with her into the future, like literally into the horizon, right? Yeah. She's carrying the her hopes for the future the new life but she's also carrying her history which is really important we cannot run away from our history and we shouldn't and kids should be proud of where they came from and their own stories and they should never be made to feel like their story is less than anyone else's and i think that we don't tell that to kids enough right we we let them You see your kid having a hard time at school and you tell them the things that you're supposed to say, like the other person's being mean. It isn't your fault. And those things are all true. But it's also important to say any any of the things that you're being teased about. That person is wrong. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You Mm. have nothing to to feel like you're less than about your story is your story. And it is worthy because it is your story. Yeah. Well, on that note, Sudipta, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? Um, Yes, there is. Uh, I was thinking about this because you did make this easy and and gave me this question beforehand so I could think of something and come up with a really meaningful answer. And there are two things I'd like to say. One is something that I've said to your kids um, at different points when I've come to your school, that writing is a way for you to talk without anyone telling you to shut up, which is so important for kids who sometimes feel like they're not being heard. If you don't feel like your voice is important, pick up a piece of paper and a pencil and write your thoughts. 
because no one can ever stop you with that. It's, it's your power. That's one thing. The other thing I would tell them is that the entire world is available to you in books. So look for your dreams, look for yourself, look for the things you're, you're struggling with, look for the things that you enjoy in the books that you read, because it is a window into worlds that you may not have access to for many years until you're a grown up. But it doesn't mean you should cut yourself off from all those possibilities. The world's such a big place. You don't know what you want yet because you don't even know what's out there yet. But books will help you with that. So never stop reading. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www. Dot flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumor has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favorite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.